Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new podcast channel, Island Kaleidoscope. I'm your host Michelle. I'm currently live and work as an assistant curator in the City Jungle, Taipei, Taiwan. Hello, my name is Jessie from Swayfart. I am currently located on the west coast of Canada, on an island called Vancouver Island. So, what is your expectation as being a podcast host, Michelle? Um, as for me, I have enthusiasm and passion, and my background and experience in art enable me to communicate with different type of artists around the world and to create exhibitions with them. Wandering through different countries, I am to open up international horizons, conversations, experience in the fascinating cultural practice of cross-platform collaboration, and embodying the power of human interaction through art. So from 2020, I have been curating my own art radio program called Sui Liao Liao. And for me, as an educator for the past 12 years, I love being in nature and observing the amazing details, meeting artists, and learning about their background and perspective through sharing stories. This project is amazing because it opens up opportunities for real human connections by sharing life experience or cultural folk tales. So Michelle. Would you love to share the reason why you、um, this podcast is named Island Kaleidoscope? Well, the main purpose of the show is to trigger people around the world to think about the value of island and to get a deeper understanding of the people who live on the islands. So, from my point of view, as Taiwanese, it is our responsibility to know the diversity and its rich resources in Taiwan and the other islands close by. Island is full of vivid energy and color. It was the key reason that I thought kaleidoscope would be the perfect word to describe our program. I agree. It is interesting to see how people who are born on different islands share same perspective or similar lifestyle. I moved to Vancouver Island from Taiwan in the summer of 2020. The geographic scenery here is very similar to the island of Taiwan. The indigenous people here are called First Nation people. Later, I will be sharing a story from a culture called Haida from Vancouver Island. Yeah, so the island kaleidoscope is like the container to collect the hidden memories, the historical stories, music, and indescribable clips in different islands. It's gonna reflect and show the dynamic of cultural landscape from country to country, tribe to tribe, even culture to culture. So. Over the past three years, we are all affected by the epidemic. It has been difficult for cross-border cultural exchanges to return to their original states. With the continuous isolation of national borders, we are scattered like islands in the ocean. We aim to explore the possibility and limitation of island topologies and co-create patterns to redefine gaps between regions and spread the island ideology. For each episode, the artist will pick three keywords. According to these three keywords, the artist will tell three relevant stories, which may be urban legends, folk tales, or their personal experience. That's right. There will be many stories that are shared through the artist's perspective or own experience. What island means to them, or how they use what they observe through their eyes to create arts or start projects. The Island Kaleidoscope is an art exchange program that uses Taiwan as a sample and the island as a cultural starting point. We plan to carry out a series of workshop publications and podcast production within a two-year period. The project is focused on 
the discussion, definition, and cultural scope writing of the concept of the island and sea culture between artists and other cultural art creators and audience. It is our hope that from the perspective of our own cultural background, we can discuss and record our explanation based on our island database, such as ocean, forest, border, spirit, and so on, and interact with the audience. The island serves as a contrast to the field of cultural exchange. Over the past half year, we have collected over 108 keywords for the show with our participating artists. So today, Michelle and I have prepared two stories for you. One is about the history of oyster omelets making, and the other one is Haida Mother Bear. So let's jump into the story. So those of us who return to our home country after finishing overseas study are often labeled. In the words of the Chinese language, the circle of sea return, haigui or sea turtle, uh, on the exact same pronunciation. Regardless of the character, the phrase conveys a notion of returners or a kind of remigration. We did travel across the ocean to study. I firmly believe in my relationship with the ocean and the story between me and the island itself. I'm flowing softly and slowly, returning from the UK. But the fun fact is I was born in Cambridge, and there are two sides of me. You can say I came from one island to another. Hashtag remigrate. And this experience of overseas study reminds me so much of the midnight kings and queens of the food stands at Taiwan's night markets. Almost every night market in Taiwan has oyster omelette and stinky tofu. So in China, this kind of oyster family seafood has acquired different names depending on where you are and what dialect you speak. For example, it's called Le in the South Fujian, Hao in Cantonese, and Hai Li being yet another common name. But they all refer to the same thing, oyster, just as there are differences in what people call oyster. There are differences too in the way oysters are cooked and prepared. The Chinese in Fujian, Guangdong, Taiwan, and Southeast Asia each have created their own version of oyster dishes by adapting different kinds of flour, spice, vegetables, and sauce. Taiwan's fried oysters are generally said to drift from a snack of the Thousand Fujian variety. But there are other legends about the origin of Taiwan's fried oyster. A popular legend is in 1661, Chen Chenggong army landed in a prefecture in southern Taiwan called Tainan during a battle with the Dutch army. He was forced to fight whatever local ingredients were with rich due to insufficient food supplies. The sweet potato flour and other ground flowers were blended with variety of various available seafoods, meats, Chinese cabbage, and other green vegetables, and then threw together into a pan and fried. It was the prototype of oyster frying. The dish has a transparent look after frying because Taiwan's Taiwanese oyster frying use sweet potato flour mixed with water. In any case, fried oyster can be said to have been carried forward in Taiwan and found their glory. 
because Taiwan is an island, the oyster industry is thriving, and fresh oysters are on the market every day. So it is easy to see why fried oyster has become a common snack that people eat all over Taiwan. Needless to say, fried oysters are also a signature of Taiwan. The oyster raisers follow nature and have lived with the ocean current and wind for several, several generations. The so-called love across the sea to see you for me is kind of flavor that flows in my heart, a sort of pride, a sense of familiarity. Of course, the desperateness, the sin, the sincerity, uh, the sincerity. I often recall that when I was studying in the UK, if I got a chance to have a taste of a plate of oyster omelette in Brickland Market in East London, it would warm my heart and make me full of aftertaste. I took the oyster omelette as the key to my memories while being an being an ocean away from home, another version of me full of aromas, the close connection between the island and the other island, between me and both islands. The oyster omelette is a unique product of Taiwan's islands. I have profoundly inherited and been immersed in the Taiwanese food culture, so that I can still taste the film. Miller Taiwanese flavor when I was in London in the UK, on another island. So enjoy, Michelle has a special flavor yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know what, Michelle? Yeah, the you the story about this oyster omelet made me really, really want, and and I can almost taste it on my tongue right now. So I haven't been able to go home for the past two years because of COVID, and I must say one of the foods that I miss the most is oyster omelets. And I have tried to recreate this dish at home, but the flavor is just not the same. So, for me, here is a Haida story called Haida Mother Bear. A long time ago, a group of girls were gathering huckleberries in the woods. One of the girls was very chatty, but they all knew when they were out in the woods, instead of laughing and talking, they were supposed to be singing, so that the bears would know that they were around. Because of their chats and laughter, the bears from far away heard them and thought those girls were mocking them. By the time those girls finished picking the berries and started heading home, the bears were watching them closely. All of a sudden, the chatty girl stepped onto a bear pool, and her head strap that was holding the berry basket broke. She was angry, but because she was behind the group, no one saw it happen. And again, she should have been singing, but she didn't. She was complaining the whole way, so the bears thought that she was talking about them. So as the as the day got dark, two young men who looked like her brothers approached her and said. Come with us, and we will help you with your berries. As this snobbish girl followed them, she saw that they were actually wearing bear coats. It was dark by the time they arrived at the big house near a rock slide on the mountain slope. All the people inside were sitting around a small fire, and they were all wearing bear skin. Mother, grandmother mouse came up to the girls and squeaked to her. She told her that she had been taken into a bear den and was to become one of them. The hair on her coat then started to get longer and looked more like a bear hair. She was frightened, 
and right then, one of the young bears, the son of the chief, came up to her and said, "You will become my wife. Otherwise, you will die." So she lived on as the wife of the bear, tending fire in the dark house every night. She noticed that whenever the bear people went outside, they would put on the bear coat and become and became the animal. By winter time, she was pregnant. And her husband took her to a cliff near their old home, where she gave birth to a twin. They were half human, half bear. One day, the girl's real brothers came searching for her. The girls knew she had to reveal her presence, so she made a snowball, rolled it down the mountainside to draw their attention. The brothers came up the hill. The bear husband knew that he was going to be killed by her brothers. Before he was killed. He taught the girls the bear song, the songs that the human must, the hunters must use in the name of the dead bear to bring good luck. He told her to bring her skin to her father, who was a chief, and then the brothers smoked him out of his den and speared him. They did not kill the two children. Instead, they brought them back home along with the mom. The twins removed the bear coats and became great hunters. They guided their kinsmen to bear dens in the mountains and showed them how to set up traps. They also taught people to sing ritual songs. And many years later, when their mother died, they put on their coats again and went back to live with the bear people. The mother's tribe continued to have good luck with their hunting. Such a really interesting story. But seeing you move there, have you ever met a bear? Oh no, I have not. But I have seen warning signs from time to time in my neighborhood of bear passing by in people's yard. And just last year, a bear was actually killed by by human, not because of an accident. So what happened was that this lady in our neighborhood she called nine one one about a black bear in her. In her backyard, I think, trying to kill one of her chickens, so the animal control department was sent to capture this bear, and they ended up putting the bear down. It was a very sad news,、um, but now we'll share the good news. So for the upcoming episodes, we're excited to be able to have artists from all over the world, including Taiwan, Japan, Thailand, Indonesia, Lebanon. UK and Finland to share their story with us. In this voyage without borders, we will find a new foothold for thinking from a transnational flow of relational aesthetics from each artist's story. Yes, and you will either you will hear either artists' own life experience, their country legends, and even the folk tales that are told by the elderly. But cannot be found in any form of publication. Yes, so let's bring us to the end of this episode. So this is Island Kaleidoscope Stories from Islands. It explores the cultural relationship through the terminology of the ocean, whales, dolphin, eagles, forests, or the sun, and it reveals the life experience, legends, and cultural symbols of the people of Taiwan and other regions. That's right. So thank you for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about this project or are interested in getting to know the artists, check out our website swaveart.org.